because that's a videotape that kills you when you watch it. You start to play it, that's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Katie told you she was going to die. She told me. She said she didn't have enough time. Did you say that I'm gullible? No. Easily rattled? A little highly strung, maybe. I watched the tape. I'm not gonna get all worked up over some rumor. Yeah, show it to me. Here's Keller. I'm bothered by these drawings. Why did you draw that house? She told me to. Who? Who told you to? She tells me things. Before you die, you see the ring. The images on the tape are leading us somewhere. Show you the horses. Don't you understand, Rachel? Tell me, Liz. What is it you think you know? Hello? Before you die, you see the ring. This is Box Office Bylines, a podcast about movies about journalism, those anchormen and runaway brides from Almost Famous to Zodiac. I am Jacob Boone, editor, journalist in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, joined, as always, with my co-host. Tara Thorne in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Jacob, this is a hard month for me. I do not love Halloween. I not? am not whimsical. Oh. I don't like dressing up. I never did. I grew up in the country. It was a whole ordeal. You'd put on a costume and then slap your winter coat over it. I do love candy. Yeah. But otherwise, like, I came back to Twitter this month and everyone has their fucking Halloween names. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, as we discussed last episode, I was not looking forward to this ring episode until you curveballed me uh-huh. and you threw... Um, our guest this week, our special ghost, special ghost, <laughs> <laughs> who is one of my favorite people and one of my favorite journalists in the country. May I introduce her? Please. Since you got to do the fun opening. Okay. Allison Lang on the line from Toronto, Ontario. Allison and I used to be roommates. It's true. This is, you're my second roommate we've had on the show. Wait, wait, who is your other roommate? Cheryl. Uh, Kim Hart McNeil. Oh, Kim. Right. And we joked for- about it then, but it seems like it might become real now. All my roommates. <laughs> um, so thanks for being on the show. You're a horror movie expert. Like, you are a published horror movie expert. Uh, I I think so, but I feel like... <laughs> I, feel, I think I'm an expert. Like, oh my God. Uh, I think 
because the genre is changing all the time, I feel like I actually am always frantically trying to keep up, but I really appreciate, I appreciate you saying that, but I feel, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's an evolving, um, genre, I guess. Jacob, I feel yes, like <laughs> Allison and I were talking for a while before we started recording and I feel like we're just leaving you out of the conversation. <laughs> totally fine. I did want to plug Allison's book. Yes. Uh, she is, uh, of course, a writer, editor, and author of Women with Guts, a uh, book about the women behind breakout horror movies such as Halloween, Alien, The Blair Witch Project, Ginger Snaps, and more, which is available online. We'll include a link in the show notes. Um, yeah, that was, that was, I just wanted to make sure people knew where to see Allison's great writing. And it really calls words. back to my expert uh, theory, intro. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, we're not just... <laughs> We're not just making it up. She's a published author on this. Actual published, not just journalism. Which anybody can do. Oh, yeah, totally. These days. And and since, uh, yeah, it's a spooky time of year, so we thought we'd do some journalism horror movies. There are a few of those. Not classics, I would say. Um, Tower of Terror. And there's a a film called The Island, which I think is like a Dean Koontz adaptation. Whoa. (laughs) And I just saw one the other day that's on streaming called The Lead about a TV journalist who gets like abducted and tortured. It seems like sort of a, I don't know if that's any good, but we're going to focus on a film not known for its journalism. (laughs) I didn't believe him that there was any journalism involved, but there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit. I would. You said there's more than there was in To for Die sure. For. Absolutely. That's of course The Ring, 2002, directed by Gore Verbinski. In a pre-Pirates of written... the Car- Caribbean world, it was only a ride yeah. then. Starring Naomi Haunt, <laughs> uh, Brian Cox, Amber <laughs> Tamlin, and some other folks who uh, weren't as big names. This was a weird movie because I guess they tried to hire non-famous actors though brian cox and naomi watts, naomi must watts have been is pretty in stuff. big anyway the the rest of the cast they tried to get non-recognizable actors but some of them went on to more recognizable things like amber tamblin she was already joan of arcadia then uh adam uh, brody okay. seth cohen of the oc is also also has yeah. a couple lines in this it was it's a very 2002 movie because um yeah pd polly or paul whatever her name is the quirky uh, autopsy person from Polly Perrette. NCIS, I think, is also in this briefly. Um, yes, yes, she mm-hmm. is. This is this movie is a cautionary tale about video piracy. <laughs> Yar. Like at the end, they all talk about how many jobs were created. <laughs> the ring. This movie. I'm just gonna say I'm not gonna talk very much because well, it's not really. I want to hear Allison talk about it. But also, I found this movie to be needlessly complicated (laughs) in its plot and execution. And it had a false ending. And I hate that shit. Allison, why don't you tell us your thoughts about The Ring? Both, maybe, I'm curious when you first saw it, because it's, what, 18 years ago, and your thoughts maybe rewatching it now. When I first saw it, um, I... I saw it in the theater as a lot of people did. It was, I remember like it was such a huge movie. Like, uh, 
it, yeah, it was just like the type of horror movie that, um, you know, your friends talk about it. Uh, and yeah, there's like this mat kind of this mass surge to go and see it, which I, I, I mean, this period notwithstanding, because there are no movies anymore, anywhere coming out, but like, uh, yeah, I sort of missed that, that time when, you know, there's, there, there's like a pivotal horrifying movie that people are like, you gotta go see it. I think it, it, I think this movie came out around the same time as the Blair Witch Project or like a year when did Blair Witch Project come out? 2001? When would that have been? It was around... I feel like Blair Witch was pre-9-11. 1999. It was 1999. Yeah. And that... Yeah, I remember this period, this two or three year period where there were like kind of those apocal horror films where people were like, everyone was going to see them. And there was like a lot of word of mouth mm. generated about how scary they were, which could both, you know, help and detract from the movie in the long run. Because can it really live up to that? And at, at the time, I remember being very scared by this movie, particularly the ending scene, um, but also the scene where uh, the, the flashback where it talks about uh, seeing Amber Tamblyn's body in the closet and you just get that brief <laughs> glimpse of her, like, you know, her, her, her heart attack riddled face, which is like drooping basically horribly. Um, and yeah, so those images stuck really strongly in my, my mind. And when you guys, uh, picked this and invited me to, to sit out on the podcast, I was like, oh, great. I can rewatch the ring. I have such like good memories about it, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> rewatching it. Um, I, I was laughing a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think a lot of scenes that I'd previously found quite tense and scary. I was like, oh, like kind of get on with it uh it was, yeah yeah i found it very long i did not remember it being this long in the theater but i was like wow where are we um yeah so it's yeah it's funny uh you know revisiting movies like 20 years later and be like did either of you see this when it originally came out or was this a first time watch it was first time. Tara, this was the yeah. yeah first time for you. It was the first time for me. Yeah, I'm not uh, as as I said earlier. I'm not a big horror movie fan, so, and I would never watch a horror movie on my own because it seems like a bad idea. Um, but I I was aware of the sort of Japanese horror craze that this led. <laughs> I actually downloaded the illegally. Sorry, the original, the Japanese original uh, uh, ring before I saw this because I was that sort you of had it on vinyl. Yeah, cinema guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember liking that one better than this. <laughs> <laughs> Even at the time, but I still recognized it. Like, uh, uh, Allison can correct me maybe about the horror genre, but I feel like it was stuck in a very meta- ironic kind of realm up until the early 2000s where suddenly there were all these like actually unironic scary films like this and 28 days later and things that didn't have that sort of winking scream thing friday the 13th scream yeah. kind of vibe to them and that seemed to resonate with people and then this kicked off a huge wave of japanese remake horror films or genre influenced films of this style for a good decade yeah this was definitely the first the first one that kind of paved the way. Um, and 
Yeah, and I, I like, I liked, like, I still kind of like J-Horror a lot. It definitely, like, ran itself into the ground, kind of the same, in the same way that slasher movies of the 80s ran themselves into the ground. Like, I remember, I think it was last year or the year before, they, there was, like, this movie that I think should have been the death knell of, like, when, when you know, when a, a subgenre starts to self-parody itself, but there was a movie called Sadako versus Kanako, I think, which is the girl from the Japanese ring versus the girl from the grudge, the Japanese (laughs) grudge fighting each other. Uh, It was not very good. And at that sounds like a porn setup. Exactly. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very much like, it's very much like Freddy versus Jason, which regrettably I've also seen in the theater. Like like paid real real movie money, but that's but Freddy versus Jason is awesome. That's an awesome thing to think about. It it, it I have to say it was very satisfying. <laughs> it was <laughs> that also they, both those characters were at a level of parody. Yes, that that made sense totally. I guess to pit them against, whereas like the two scary Japanese ghosts. <laughs> there was also a Grudge remake last year that I had to see. There or was. It might have been in and January. There's going to be a new Ring movie, I yeah. believe. In a couple of years. And the new, the new grudge, it did have Andrea Riseborough, who I love, but it just kind of wasn't that scary. And people would do stupid things like there'd be a bathtub full of black goo and they would go put their face close to it. There's <laughs> always a bathtub full of black goo. It's like you can see from where you're standing. It's not good. Stay away. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I haven't seen the, the new grudge. I love Andrea Riseborough too. I just saw Possessor and uh, she was... Yeah, she's really good in it. She's interesting because I think she's considered, I would consider her like a capital S serious dramatic act, actor, but she has this whole uh, horror subgenre that she does because she was in Mandy as well, wasn't she? She was. She was, I, yeah. I would argue she was the best part of hmm. the whole movie. She was really, yeah, she was the best. Yeah, no spoilers, but when once she is no longer in Mandy, it, like I was like, eh. Right. <laughs> now you have to live with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, just like a lot of Nicolas Cage, like screaming and which is which is fine, you know. There's a time and a place, but she was so good that like I was like, oh, I wish. Yeah. Anyway, I won't say anything more. I don't want to. Okay, can it, we but... can we try to recap this plot? Um, sure. <laughs> do you want to do you want to start, Jacob? Well, there's a very upsetting so horse this, death. So trigger a war. Yeah, there's. Warning. It's like this evil psychic horse girl uh, makes a tape. She's a horse girl. <laughs> um, makes a tape. Gets murdered by her adopted mother, and Brian Cox is fine with that. And he never wanted a damn in, kid. Yeah, he just wanted to raise. Also, I don't know why she had to put she she kills her by putting a bag over her head and then knocking her into mm-hmm. a well. It's like do one or the other. It's a bit of overkill. This whole For thing, sure. everybody is very dramatic in this thing. Sorry, plot. Through her rage, her her ghost remains, and she burns disturbing imagery um, onto a VHS tape. Very excellent disturbing imagery art, that. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it is like an indie student film, but it all like all the images have like a they're like a clue to things, except a couple of them aren't. Yeah, which I kind of found annoying because I think in the Japanese original there weren't it wasn't really any clues; it was just some disturbing imagery, 
And I don't like the idea that she was, I don't know, maybe she was trying to help the journalist out. But sometimes it was a little too one for one. Like, oh, there's a ladder. That must be the ladder. Here's the ladder. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and just, can I interrupt you just for a second? Because yeah. when we first, Amber Tamblin talks about, so she's like the Drew Barrymore, let's say. The like, you know, first sure. sacrifice. Um, she basically, she's like, we watched this tape. It was supposed to be a football game, but it wasn't. And her friend is like, what was on it? And she's like, I don't want to say. And it's like, whatever. <laughs> like. Yeah, but you're older and cynical and has, have seen a lot of stuff. I mean, but, but she could have been like, yeah, it's this weird fucking indie movie about a ladder yeah. and a fly. I don't know. Like there's nothing, <laughs> none of the images in and of, of themselves are disturbing. This is like pre-YouTube, though. I guess. So people couldn't access these kind of images as much. It Seeing a ladder was scary. Like, <laughs> you only see a ladder in the real world. It was like the train coming out of the screen. Yes, for the, the first screen. time. <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, so she makes this movie. Some teens stumble across it, and it uh, kills them all a, a week later. And... Amber Tamblin is Naomi Watts, who plays Rachel, an investigative journalist with the Seattle Times Intelligencer, I think it was. <laughs> um, she's her niece, which is how they kind of get wrapped up in this going to the wake or the... Yeah, she yeah. chats with teens at the wake. But also, I would just like to say, as a journalistic story, it does not mm -hmm. pass any ethics tests at all. Oh, no. Yeah, she does go. It's her own family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's her own family. Well, you know, she clearly she's going to, at the end, have to write herself into this. She's not, she has to tell this she's story She's got to pivot to first person once, you know, she personally. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Once she personally holds the skeleton of this child. I would say it was more of an issue when she's at the, like, cabin and she doesn't tell the guy she's a journalist and then steals the tape. That mm. feels... Slippery. I also enjoyed when she's at the wake, um, her sister is explaining how no other teen has died from having like a heart attack, I guess, and says that she spent four hours on the internet researching and couldn't find anything. <laughs> it would have taken which feels that like long. Like one search a sort of QAnon level of research. Like in 2002, you wouldn't even have been able to get teen deaths. You would have gotten like mortuaries. Like the, the algorithm was too young to be useful. Yeah. I, that was one thing, start, sorry to jump ahead, but when she, when Rachel starts going kind of into her deep internet research, you know, Googling names and what whatnot, I was like, really? This would all come up so quickly? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> like, why would, <laughs> I feel like this would take a really t long time. Like, I don't know. The biggest leap was, of course, she uses the video production equipment at the newspaper. I don't know where she I was. guess. I, it just struck me that why would they have all this tape gear at a daily newspaper? <laughs> but she uses it to find a very grainy image of a lighthouse at the edge of the frame, goes to the library to open the big book of Gets American a stack lighthouses. Of giant books, like the librarian yeah. brings some over. Finds like the same photo. Immediately. Immediately. Which this isn't far away. You think she could just look up Seattle lighthouses or whatever, but maybe she has to go to the library because the internet's not good. But then she goes and Googles the name of the lighthouse. And it comes up <laughs> very, very quickly. Yeah, it just felt like a weird step that didn't need to be in there. 
Somebody could have said, oh, that looks like that lighthouse. And then she could have, or just Google lighthouses of Seattle. And then she pulls up the right one. That saves us a scene. Well, I will say the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I have never <laughs> finished one. They're very long. So Gore Verbinski, maybe. Not into brevity. <laughs> um, she's also a pretty bad mom. Yeah, half the time, her son is just not around. Yeah. it's. I wrote down that the only time she contacts her son while she's on this uh, res- research quest is uh, because he might have some information that would be helpful to her story. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hey, what about, that? like, what is she asking about? Something, something he drew that was inspired by the girl, right? Yeah, why'd you draw the house or whatever? She yeah, told why'd me you- to. Yeah, and she's like, okay, great, thanks. And she's like... That also would have been a good time for him to tell her that she never sleeps, which we don't find yeah. out till later when she thinks that it's over. In the I like when the little ending. boy has to make himself lunch for school, bags it up, and then is like, bye, as he leaves, and we cut to Rachel in her bedroom just surrounded by post-it notes. <laughs> With the door closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. That felt weirdly true in some way so i was because i i do like the japanese ring and i haven't seen it in a long time and i wanted i wanted to re-watch it before watching this but i didn't have time but i watched some scenes online and it i was reading a little bit about it like some of the reviews of it and it seems like in the original ring that the sort of the gap between her and her son, the big chasm of understanding between them is, was very deliberate because at, it was sort of reflective of like Japanese women breaking away from the family model, becoming more independent, oh. being more career focused. And basically Sadako, who is Samara in the Japanese ring is like emblematic of like the of uncertainty about motherhood and parenthood. And uh, her, that relationship is like re- reflected apparently with her and her son. I'm not sure how well it's done in the Japanese movie, but in the remake, it seems so jarring because she just like presumably cares about him, but yet there's yeah. no, she makes no, there's, you know, there's, it's not clear that she has that tension between her career and him. Like there's a couple moments where she, he's like, yeah, she, you work a lot. But he seems, like, so resigned. I don't know. The child is also a very, yeah. like, cookie-cutter weird movie child with no other <laughs> characteristics. <laughs> so it's, like, it's hard to know what his feelings are. Yeah, but the other weird thing is, so he watches the tape, and, like, that is what pushes her forward to, like, figure out the mystery. Right. She thinks she's going to die. But, like, oh, no, the kid's going to die. But at no point... Does she check in with him about nosebleeds? Have you pulled anything weird out of your throat? How yeah. are your dreams? Like, <laughs> she, she's not more concerned about him. It's like less, if that's possible. And she's teamed up with his shitty dad, who just isn't a good father because he doesn't feel like it. Is that why? Yeah, that's what he says in the car. He's just like, nah. Oh, okay. Maybe. He's like, would you like me to be around? Well, I just, I just kind of can't, even though they clearly live in the same city. (laughs) Yeah, it's unclear why they are so bad at it. Because I guess the arc is that she becomes a good mom or learns to love her kid because she sees what happens when you don't. It creates 
haunted VHS tapes. <laughs> but there's no good reason. For a minute at the beginning, I, I like the first 20 minutes, I thought it was actually like it wasn't her kid or it secretly was her kid, but actually like her sister had raised like some plot. I think that was another movie. But no, it's straight up like her child. There's no, she just doesn't like him. It seems. Have we? What else? It's two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Have we gone through the plot? Did we finish the plot? That's pretty much it. They find out that the horse girl was killed, and they think that solves it. But actually, she was uh, a real shit. Yeah. And it was probably <laughs> for the best she was murdered. And it's really bad. the only thing that actually time. saves Naomi Watts is that she makes a copy of the tape and shows it to someone because the ghost wants everyone wants it to go viral and everyone to see this movie. And then <laughs> she's killed. a real influencer ahead of her time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sort of and then they end the movie on this on this question where her son, a- Aiden is her kid, and he says, I think so. well, "Who are we going to show it to?" And she's like, "Hmm." And then it's <laughs> that's the end of the movie. And I had just seen It Follows the night before. And that yeah. has that's about a sex monster that basically once you have sex, this thing will come kill you. So if you pass it on to the next person, um the, the sex monster will go move on to them and leave you alone. Um and then the end of that scene is sort of this this scene of these two teens and there's someone behind them, and you're like, is that the sex monster? Or did he give it to one of those sex workers? From the previous scene mm-hmm. that we saw him drive by, and then the movie ends. So it was very similar. I was like, oh, she's just going to show it to a sex worker. Someone who, you know. Someone disposable. They consider disposable, in the yeah. Mind. yeah. Yeah. Like, she definitely just I would showed say, the janitor. You know what I mean? You know, one. we'll actually get to who she showed it to. That's oh. a new trivia. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, one thing I liked about It Follows was it, it was almost more allegorical than it was, like, logical. Mm-hmm. Like the the rules of it didn't really make sense if you, like like what if you got on a plane would it fall like that sort yeah of like shit? you could outrun it to a point yeah but yeah. you're not really supposed to think that way it is it's existing in just sort of a nightmare world yeah and this feels too grounded in reality where it gets a little I don't know I just I I also just watched the haunting of Bly Manor and that has a similar thing where at a certain point we learn like the rules of the ghost world and i don't care <laughs> like i don't I, like applying like rational logical setup to how ghosts work isn't i think a really effective way to get across horror but that's just me you make a good point though and i think that's why i started laughing a lot at at the end or like kind of chuckling like when it starts to get very like kind of like a metallica video when the the red leaves start to unfold against the sun and that, you know, the time lapse darkness kind of stuff comes in is that, yeah, like up till this point, the movie is quite imbued in like a very physical reality. Like they're using all these physical sources of media and like these very traditional routes of research. And like, yeah, it just feels very, there's nothing like there's no magical hints of like an, an, an another world that Samara mm-hmm. might be inhabiting, but yet we're supposed to believe by the end. Yeah, the the end feels like it's it's like freighted with all of this metaphoric imagery and possibility, and and yeah, it didn't quite it didn't quite work for me this time around. I think, and I think that was one of the reasons why. Can we please talk about 
the overdramatic, very extra way Brian Cox kills himself. <laughs> I was like, the most high concept suicide. Like, Do you have time. a gun, sir? <laughs> the sea is right there. Just like tie a rock around yourself and go. Yeah. Um, so it was, he flooded the bathroom. Mm-hmm. He brought in what? Every appliance. TV and VCR yeah. and and then cord, also toaster. had some sort of contraption for his head to grab, like it was a, like a horse bit. Oh yeah, yeah, it? It was, like the it thing was, they bite so, down on. Yeah, a great irony. Um, and also, it looks a bit like um, like an electric chair sort of situation. And sure, then yeah. had a power bar. Maybe <laughs> the, pow- like the power bar to make the circuit connect. <laughs> the power bar slung over his shoulder. I was like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" It was very. It was a haphazard setup, but clearly he would have had to plan out all those connections for a while. I don't even know that it was kind of impressive. Like I was like, "This is like an art yeah. art project." <laughs> and then, of course, does it in front of her. And then, of course, stupid Noah comes in at the same time, and she doesn't stop him from looking at it. <laughs> and this is after the awful horse death that happened the same day. On the journalism side, I think I laughed when we were watching this tariff, but. She finds like two dozen articles about horses on this tiny, small <laughs> island. And clearly whatever local reporter was on the horse beat, this was like, he's like, I'm going to get a Pulitzer. <laughs> like, <laughs> there so there's a weird, stories. mysterious disease. <laughs> They're all dying. I'm just, it's like, we got to double down on this horse story. Um, I like that. I yelled, um, okay. fuck you, Jacob, yeah. when the horse died because it was so actively graphic. Like, I knew it was going to yeah. jump over the side. I didn't know its leg was going to get caught. And we were going to go see a full wide shot of it falling into the water and then going under the ferry and the blood coming out. It was horrific. It was worse than any human-related Horse-rific. thing. It was, uh, it? I completely forgot. Horse-rific. <laughs> Tara, did you get my pun? Uh, I heard, yeah, I heard you. Okay. Sorry, Allison, go ahead. Uh, I I kind of laughed. I didn't laugh when the horse fell over. I'm not I'm not totally heartless. But I did laugh when she kept going over to the pen and being like, "What's wrong, horsey?" And the horse was like, "Ah!" And she was like, "Can't I come and see you?" And she was like, <laughs> "The horse kept Get escalating." Get your curse away from me, bitch. Yeah, it's like you know there's something going on with horses. Maybe step back. You know your curse. You have the nosebleed. You know, step. You're dark sided now. Animals know. Step back. Yeah, it just they like always her, her, know. They always. Like, know. I wish. I wish horror movies would let real life knowledge in, which is like we all know when the animals are acting fucked in movies, something bad yeah. is happening. So you should be able to take that knowledge into your <laughs> horror film and like, oh no. When, like, the dog starts growling at, like, nothing. Yeah. And like, what's wrong, boy? It's like, oh, what's that bat doing in the daytime? Get away. <laughs> Can I tell you the scariest thing in this movie? Oh, yes. I would love to know what you think it is. Samara leaves voicemails. <laughs> That's a millennial joke. Right? Yeah. And we don't get to hear it either, which I hate. <laughs> yeah. Because presumably she'd just say seven days, but maybe it was, like... Hey, it's me. <laughs> Sorry, I missed you. Um, uh, but that's, that's also like um, one of the plot things we didn't mention that I felt was a bridge too far, where it's like, 
Okay, well, why do they die after seven days? How is the phone involved? That's how long she died. Yeah, in the I well. know that, but it takes two right. hours to get there. And it's, oh, she lived in the well for seven days. Like, no, she fucking didn't, first of all. She was a child and there was water. And she had the bag. Remember the bag? I think that was a suffocation situation. Um, But yeah, that was one more thing. One more thing where it's like, I know it sets up the structure of the movie, but it's just like, how are a VHS and landlines involved in this? How? Yeah. (laughs) I think all the sequels have, like, tried to advance it into the digital realm more but i don't know if that works as there's something a little scary about a haunted vhs tape and a landline phone call that doesn't get replicated when like you get an iphone for sure and i mean that's that's why scream is so scary too and weirdly i like there's a great there's a movie unfriended which is all like about a haunted computer chat of teens and i i think that's great it's i love that movie it was very scary I also thought Host was scary. Did you guys see that one, the Zoom horror movie? No. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. It's. It, it, I heard it's good. Yeah, I would recommend it. I thought it, yeah, I went into it, you know, skeptically. But I, I think also if you're someone who does a lot of like Zoom face meetings or friend hangouts, uh, it really captures, yeah, it captures the awkwardness and discomfort, which makes it all the more horrifying when things start to glitch and go wrong, because it seems like it, you know, it's kind of like the zoom call we just had now, or anytime you start a zoom call where you're like, are you there? Hello? Is anyone there? And it's like analogous to like calling a demon or, you know, speaking (laughs) speaking to the ghost who's not there. Surprisingly, it worked really well, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. Like, yeah, the videotape, I find videotapes inherently creepy to an extent. Like I think I think this movie could only be done using a videotape. I don't think it would work with like a, <laughs> a laser disc. Like a stream. Yeah, or a stream. <laughs> Haunted Netflix. Like a Twitch stream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the the phone line is funny. It like it in the logic of the movie, I guess it sort of works because she's all she's all encompassing. Like I guess if she can come out of a TV. Right, but she doesn't know she doesn't know those technologies. I'm just saying. I guess there's a video, the video of her in the asylum or whatever. But like, yeah, well, there weren't landlines. There would have been a rotary phone. What are you talking? <laughs> she's not like a hundred years old. <laughs> but she's older. Like her mom's wearing. Yeah, but like there a would have been dress. phones. Tara. <laughs> phones have been around a while. <laughs> I think it would have been a rotary phone. 15 years ago or something. I don't think she would have known what to do with a cordless. In the late 80s? (laughs) I'm sure she could have figured it out. So I'm confused about like that timeline too. Because yeah, the mom is dressed in like pioneer clothes. Yes. I I would argue that 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 is like a, it's like a pinafore. Like straight up. But meanwhile, like Brian Cox is alive. He's not, he's, (laughs) he's not that old. He seems like a contemporary... He's wearing like a barber jacket. I don't know. He's yeah, like a and, then, man. and then her records, but her records go back to the sixties. Yeah. So oh, I don't weird, think yeah. I'm wrong about the phone. Okay. But can I just weird. ask you before we take a break? Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Which is, if you had seven days to live, how would you like? If you got the call, <laughs> how would you approach the next seven days of life? I'll tell you how I'll do it to start. It would okay. be purely vengeance based. I'd be punching everyone I hate. I would literally be waiting at Javablan to punch men in the face. 
Maybe I would take my cast iron frying pan as well. I would. Which you just bought. Yeah, I just bought it, so it's like real shiny. <laughs> um, and I would burn down somebody's house. I can't say it on the air, but there's somebody's house I would burn down. How would you do it? Some people might choose love. I don't know. <laughs> Hearing Some a lot of silence. Might. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. The like real answer is probably yeah. Just like spend as much time. Oh, as you, could you with would. You're sad. You'd be like, you'd be telling. I'm it. sure you would too, Tara. No. I don't think you would actually <laughs> no. commit yourself to 24 seven vengeance. Well, like maybe just the last 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know the joke answer. It's not a joke answer. I'm being very no, serious. No, but I'm trying. No, but I'm trying to think of like a more fun answer than the. You would call everyone and have hour-long conversations about what they mean to you. I know you. All right, that, that's my that joke sounds answer. so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do, Lang? I would definitely start smoking again. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> I. That's good. I would probably start. I gave up meat like a couple of years ago, uh, I would definitely start eating meat again. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably like just like start driving. I don't have a license, but I think I would just start driving cars. <laughs> just like get I, a smart car description. Yeah. Yeah. Just like or go for car it. Car share. I mean, yeah, just a car share. I wouldn't drive mm-hmm. drunk or anything. I wouldn't like kill people, but I think I would just start driving. Just like do some driving illegally (laughs) (laughs) that actually you make me want to augment my answer which is like i've never done a drug in my life other than alcohol and i think i would do a bunch of like hard drugs oh totally do drugs and then i would go on my punching rampage and if i happened to get arrested (laughs) i'd have an excuse yeah do you think these people can't die before the seven days like she would intervene and make sure that they wouldn't be killed any other way oh like if they were in a final destination scenario she would stop it yeah. <laughs> or would it be Groundhog Day? That must be Day? explored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, on that macabre <laughs> note, <laughs> why don't we take a break and come back and talk trivia? That's Sounds good. good. They just want to help you. Not daddy. Your daddy loves you? Daddy loves the horses. He wants me to go away. No, he doesn't. But he doesn't know. He doesn't know what? Samara? She's never gonna whisper to me ever again. What did you do to her? Welcome back to... Boo office bylines. Box ah. office boo lines. Box. Ooh. Box ha- office haunted. stab lines. Anyway. Stab lines. We're talking about The Ring. This is one of two Halloween episodes. We'll tell you about the next one later. But we're back here yeah. with Allison Lang. And Jacob, I bet you have um, some trivia here on Ringu. The Ring. Do I ever? Not actually apparently pronounced like that. How do you pronounce it? That's the Americanization. I guess the U is not long, that vowel in in Japanese. Ringa? I think it's like ringa. Okay, okay. Or ringwa. Yeah. Don't know. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Long before this movie premiered, the killer video was used as a commercial, not mentioning any movie, 
just airing on TV for nearly a month. That would be very scary. What? It would be. <laughs> That's so And fucked. on its first week of release in the U.S. and Canada, Select Cinemas put actual copies of the cursed tape on seats for unsuspecting viewers to take home as freebies. That is good. To promote the film, the studio also placed copies at concerts and events. The tape had a label directing whoever watched it to a website, www.anopenletter.com. Wait, an, an open that letter? supposedly written by a pedophile killer uh, who'd seen the tape and was now trying to warn others about his impending fate. Uh, pedophile killer played by Chris Cooper. What? Who uh, was in a subplot of deleted scenes from oh. the theatrical release. So originally he's at the beginning, she's investigating him, he says he didn't do it, and then um, later on one of the endings was when the kid's like, who do we show it to? She goes and rings uh, at his door. I, this movie did not need a pedophile killer on top of everything else. <laughs> yeah. He, he is creepy though. Yeah, yeah. He would have been, that would have been a very good part. There was also another alternate ending where she oh <laughs> another deleted scene subplot where at one point she goes to rent movies from the video store and an employee laughs at her selections <laughs> and so in an alternate ending she puts the curse tape in a sleeve of one of the rented movies and returns it to the store where it ends up under employee picks mm. that feels like a clerk's joke yeah <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Blockbuster. Don't worry, they were cursed anyway. <laughs> uh, the FBI warning in the home release features spooky noises in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was having a lot of fun What was the marketing with this video. budget on this thing? <laughs> uh, probably they didn't spend too much to make it. Right. Okay, so when they released it, they decided to go with a very small amount of theaters. And then if it did well during like the Halloween weekend... They would, or the week before Halloween, they expand to more just ahead of Halloween, and then it kept doing that and kind of became a sleeper hit. So I don't think they spent too much money originally to make it, uh, even though it was like ten times the budget of the Japanese original. Um, but yeah, uh, they it, what it was the highest grossing horror movie until Stephen King's It in 2017. Total worldwide gross of over 249 million US. Wow. Did you like the new It, Lang? I liked... uh, (laughs) The first one I liked, I felt like it it knew exactly what it was and it stayed very squarely in its wheelhouse. And that was fine. Um, The second one is kind of a disaster. It's like, I think, over two hours long. And uh, it's... Yeah, I couldn't finish it, to be honest. I was like, oh, God. Um, I, I really do like... The TV version, which is also pretty terrible, but I I like that it fuses the child and the adult stories and plays them back and forth against each other. I don't I didn't love that they separated the two stories, but I understand why they did like to capitalize, I guess, on the whole um, Stranger Things stuff mm-hmm. that was going on at the time. Yeah, it's yeah. They're not like the first one isn't bad. It was the first one was so like such a hit though. It was it was. Uh, yeah, it hit right at the right time. Like they, they, they understood the zeitgeist at that particular time, I guess, and like, <laughs> you know, went for it. But yeah, did you guys see them? Yeah, you you must have seen yeah. them. The yeah. first one. I saw yeah. the first one on a plane at, at one thirty p.m. 
uh, and it was sunny on the plane, and a lot of that helped me, I think. I yes. really liked it. I thought it was good. And then I had the same problem with the second one. I love Jessica Chastain, um, so I wanted to see it. I, I read that she said that the, it's the, the most blood ever used in a scene. I didn't love that. Um, I don't know. I got to some point where she gets pulled underwater, and then she, and they're kind of like, where'd she go? And then they just come up with her, and they don't say what happened or where she was. And I'm like, ah, what are the rules of this universe? Where like yeah. Sometimes Pennywise is there, sometimes he's not. So, yeah, I, uh, I also petered up on that one. And I don't love that they keep the, like, the first one had that whole uh, Stephen King of the 80s, kids are really cruel in a way that I don't think they actually are, like car- like carving carving like an initial into the kid's stomach and like they're like just really they're like casually racist and homophobic like they kind of kept those elements and I'm just sort of like we don't need that now anyway back to this franchise same feelings (laughs) no other no other comments really um for the choice of this film's color it was decided that everything was going to be tinged with the color green to give it a sickly unnatural feeling it looked blue to me but i did notice the tint it was it was very relentless sets yes. were also lit in a way that none of the characters have a shadow to create an almost subconscious sense of creepiness hmm, hmm. interesting no i didn't notice that either uh the role of rachel was first offered to jennifer Connolly. she would have been great but she did dark water instead didn't she yeah mm-hmm. which was she by did. i believe directed by the original japanese ring director Yes. So, but yeah, I guess she felt bad about not being in this one, so she jumped at that. The script was then offered to Jennifer Love Hewitt, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Beckinsale, and finally Naomi Watts. That sort of <laughs> contradicts the other trivia point about them wanting no one famous. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you say that when all the actors who are famous turn you down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Naomi Watts was in, I think this came out the same year as Mulholland Drive, mm. but... I feel like that even that like that movie it's not really a star maker of a role like she kind of yeah she kind of disappears in that movie mm-hmm. a little bit she's very good but she disappears and I felt it's funny I I always think of her as such a great actress but I didn't think she was great in this she also seems to kind of disappear or maybe it's that the character is underwritten yeah, she's definitely underwritten. She's supposed to be this, like, I'm a badass, whatever. I say what I feel. And then it's just sort of yeah. like, okay. Yeah. But she doesn't like, do anything logical. Yeah. But she's also not helpless. True. Throughout no. It. Like, she does lead the investigation. Yeah. I don't know. And when she falls down um, the well, she's like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed like 100 feet. She bonks down the side and she just sort of pops up. <laughs> uh,. Davey Chase? Is that how you say her name? Davy? The little Davey? girl who plays Davey, Samara. Davy Chase. Uh, took this role after losing out the role of Sarah Altman in Panic Room to Kristen Stewart. Oh. No. Well, that was good casting, though, because Kristen Stewart looked exactly like Jodie Foster did in the 70s. Yeah. It, was, it worked out for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Rachel is looking off her balcony at the units of other residences, residents and residences, she focuses on one apartment containing a seated man with his left leg in a cast, a reference to Hitchcock's rear window. Like, what the fuck is that doing in there? Are you kidding? <laughs> that was an odd scene. What? I, it really was. And it's like, I'm sorry, did you take a whole day to shoot off this balcony for no reason? Was it supposed to be like, look at how we're all consumed by television? Yeah, probably. Is that what it was? 
Jimmy Stewart, fuck off. <laughs> uh, Sadako, the horror antagonist in the original um, film and novel, actually, because it was based on a novel, was a fully grown woman in the original and also sexually ambiguous, heavily implied to be intersex in the novels. And in this film, she is a child and her gender and sexuality or gender and sex not brought up um kids are creepier i guess that's probably why they did that i think so uh what else do we have since the release of the ring in canada the story of the cursed video has become very popular in some provinces and the story is passed by kids in school as a rumor that it actually happened I don't believe that's true. No, which provinces? <laughs> this I have no idea. That I don't know why it's singled out Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely doesn't happen now, I don't think. There, maybe they talk about a haunted TikTok video that possesses you <laughs> every time you watch it. A bad religion sticker is partially visible in Noah's locker in the AV room. And Gore Verbinski... Uh, directed the 1994 music video for American Jesus from Bad Religion's 1993 release, Recipe for Hate. Mm. He came up through music videos, which is, which is like, used to be... That's a lot of directors of that era, yeah, I think, Yeah, I guess that. that doesn't happen as much these days, does it? No. No, because video is kind of dead. Uh, producer Neil Eldostein offered the remake to David Lynch to direct, but he turned it down. Yeah. Hmm. Not surprising, really. Um, Amber Tamblin would go on to appear in another Japanese horror remake, The Grudge 2. One of the few actors to appear in both a ring film and a grudge film. <laughs> it's a, she's halfway to an EGOT. <laughs> I was going to say that must be a feather in her, her cap. Uh, this movie is referenced in the 2004 episode of The O.C., The Rivals. When Adam Brody's character Seth remarks that the letter Ryan stole is like the ring and that anyone who reads it is going to die. The joke being, of course, that Adam Brody has a small scene in this movie. I love Adam Brody. I'm a big fan. I just saw Ready or Not. I, don't, I guess I had a house guest and we were watching horror movies. So me saying off the top I don't like them sounds like I lied. But I, I know you've seen so many. I know. <laughs> What's going it on? It follows. <laughs> yeah, like you're not watching like you know, you're watching some real, real shit. Ready or Not was good. I thought. Yeah, Ready or yeah. Not was really awesome. It. it is good. Yeah, and I mean, really it's, it's not really horror. It's more just gross. I guess there's a demon. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very funny. That's what I want. When I, like, I liked It Follows, but yeah. I felt like it could have been funnier. And instead of going relentlessly grim, um, and then Ready or Not had, like, a levity that I really appreciate. Uh, have you watched Hubie Halloween? I have not. I don't need that much levity. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as you'd expect. No. Uh, David Dorfman, who plays the creepy kid here, uh, the non-dead one, actually ended up starring on Joan of Acadia in a three-episode arc. Oh, I love that. He went to UCLA at age 13. What? Graduated as valedictorian and attended Harvard Law at 18. And he now works as legal counsel for the U.S. House of Representatives. What? Whoa. Doogie Hauser over here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this last one, which was in the goofs section of IMDb, which I really like. When Rachel is looking through the newspapers for what time all of the teens died, she sees a time of 10 colon 00 p.m. 
in one of the papers, according to Associated Press Style Guide, it should have read just 10 p.m. No ah, colon zero zero. There's the journalism content we came for. This is if this is I was thinking that the reason this isn't remembered as a journalism film is because she doesn't end up publishing anything. Yeah, that we see. Why. That's probably why. Because, like, we go on the hunt with her, like Zodiac or whatever else, but we never get that final release of the stories out. And there's only ever one scene of her in the office where her boss is like, you're fired. She's like, no, I'm not. And She's like, wait, you see the story I've got, I'm working on now. It doesn't mention it's, like, about a haunted VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> Which there probably would have been follow-up questions about. Probably a few. I This movie really cemented... And I know you guys have you guys have probably seen the whole gamut of these, but I was always like, if you work as an investigative reporter, you're like lawless. Like you can talk shit to your boss. <laughs> you're like pals with your boss. It's like Gina Davis in The Fly. Like yeah. she just like talks shit, and it's just like shut up, fuck you. He, he's also horrible in The Fly. Her boss is a horrible, horrible man. But yeah, it just I was always like, oh. It's like that's the best type of journalism because you just don't have to follow. Any yeah, rules. you're Hunter because it's based on Hunter S. Thompson, is my guess. It's like I'm a rebel. I don't play by the rules. Yeah, yeah. You got to. I think it would have, it would have been nice to see, the headline on whatever Sunday feature she wrote. <laughs> like, would it be we're sending our love down the well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it would have been newsy and like haunted tape kills you after seven days which would go more viral because then people would like retweet it retweet it retweet it. but they'd retweet that headline and be like 2020 mood or or like buzzfeed would be like uh uh seven ways you'll die if you don't rewind yeah or something yeah <laughs> um that's it that's all i have all right. Well, thanks, Allison, so much for um, for phoning in from Toronto. We're a real um, we're a real cross country show this week. Well, not yeah. quite. Well, sort of like we cut off the West. It's fine. They're doing fine. <laughs> Fuck those uh, guys. <laughs> Allison, anything you'd like to plug or direct our small, very small listenership to? <laughs> Most of um, whom you probably already know in real life. <laughs> I love every. I love all the listenership. I like. <laughs> um i uh this is also very small and uh, like kind of dumb but um as part of a tactic to like keep sane for a lot of us who um can't can't go to the, the the cinemas anymore um a friend of mine and i run a very occasional film series on facebook through a group called toxic femmes films and we basically show movies uh, that sort of run the gamut of like depictions of women um, in sort of exploitation or genre of film, a lot of horror movies too. Um, and a lot of like, yeah, like sort of we're moving a little bit more, I think into weird arty. I don't even know what, um, but uh, next Friday we're showing a movie called a night to dismember, which is by a filmmaker named Doris Wishman, who um, kind of made her name, doing sort of, uh, I guess, like grindhouse exploitation films in the 60s. Um, but this was her lone foray into horror. And um, it's like a total disaster from beginning to end. And it's really delightful and really uh, very DIY. Um, and we're showing some short films by female 
short horror films by female filmmakers beforehand. So if people want to join that, you just have to join the group Toxic Femmes Films on Facebook, and we do it through a Facebook watch party. Regrettably, because Facebook is horrible, but it seems to be the best way to, to do these types of things for now. Mm-hmm. exploring other avenues but yeah that uh if people are into that kind of stuff Sounds i don't think cool. i sold, sold it yeah, well it but yeah it's nice and you can kind of chat while the movie's going on too which is really nice uh we watched ginger snaps about a month ago and it was really fun just a bunch of people chatting a lot of menstruation talk in that one so <laughs> <laughs> who knows what will come of this one <laughs> we'll see but yeah thank you so much for having me Thanks Thank for you being very here. much it for doing like old this. Times. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Tara, you're back on Twitter. I am. And you also have another podcast mm-hmm. that people should we listen don't have to. Talk about I that listen. Every time. Okay, well, it's still new. I guess. I listened to the first episode, which just came out, and it was great. I enjoyed Thanks it. Thanks so a lot. much. You have to pay for that one. So like, uh, yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, not you. Just any the royal you. It's a it's a pittance. It's a pittance. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, so it's called The Tideline. It's about arts and culture in Halifax. And uh, this week, my guest is aquaculture. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and you can get that through the Halifax Examiner. And yes, I am on Twitter at ThornyHFX. Um, I, I have locked it down, locked it up. So I do need to approve you. And I haven't been approving everyone because I can tell. <laughs> I can tell Some of them are, are ghosts. And um, we can find you at R.W.J. Boone Correct. and the show at Box Bylines. Allison, you're on Twitter as well. Where can people find you? I am. Uh, my Twitter handle is womenandsong666. It's not women and songs because I <laughs> ran out of characters. <laughs> um, and I honestly don't tweet very much. I mostly retweet people who are funny and smart like Tara. But that means you get more Tara Thorne if you go to my account, probably. But yeah, please feel free to follow there if you like. And now next week, Tara. Yes. We have another horror journalism film series and another Allison joining us. Oh, yeah. We're going to discuss the career of famed tabloid TV news reporter Gail Weathers. (laughs) The ups and downs of her professional journey through a series of serial killings in multiple towns, I believe. As depicted in the documentary uh, by Wes Craven, Scream, <laughs> and Scream 2, and Scream 3, and Scream 4. We're going to talk about really all doing, of them. Are we doing the whole series? Is that true? We're going to do all four of them. We're not going to do the TV show. Okay. Because we don't have time for that. But we do or Scream 5, which hasn't been made yet. But which has hasn't been, been made yet. Yeah. But we'll, I'm sure, discuss it. And we're going to be joined by our dear friend, former co-worker, Allison Saunders, your yes. former neighbor. Not my roommate, though. Not your roommate. Yet. <laughs> Maybe. Very close. Still time. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, that's all. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, good night, crawler, good morning, glory, and good luck. <laughs>